Good morning, my name's Peter. I'll be bringing uh, the, gospel, uh, the reading this morning from the Old Testament from Psalm 51. It's on the screen behind me and on page 457 of the Church Bibles if you've got one from uh, the entry there. I'll just read the introduction that's in the scriptures for why David wrote this psalm. For the director of music, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is always before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you were right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God my Saviour, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Thanks for reading that out for us. If you want to keep your Bibles open, we'll be making our way through that together. The passages will be on the screen as well if you don't have your own. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Ryan. I'm uh, the maturity ministry pastor here at church. So what that means basically is if you want to know anything about what it means to be growing as a Christian in your life here uh, at home, at family, here at church, come and have a chat. I'd love to uh, yeah, hear what's on your mind. Particularly um, in the life of church, uh, growth groups are a real key way of growing and maturing as a Christian. So <clears throat> if you'd like to come and chat with me, about joining a growth group for 2019. I'd love to have that uh, chat with you. Or if uh, you've been around church for a while and you know some of the leaders um, of the growth groups, want to have a chat to them and we can sit down together and um, yeah, chat more about that. You know, or you know, with the uh, ministry side of things around church, if you are wanting to get plugged into serving, come and have a chat. Ministry teams are a great way to be doing that around the life of church too. So I'd love to have... Yeah, those conversations with you as well um, after church. If you want to come and grab me, that'd be great. Well, 
I'm going to pray for us before we get into Psalm 51, because I know I need it, and I'm sure we'll all need it. So let's uh, come to God before we um, unpack Psalm 51 together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for Psalm 51. Father, although it's confronting for us to be because uh, have the, this, your scriptures held as a mirror to us, we pray that you'd give us your grace to be able to face who we really are. Father, help us not just to only see the real us in these words, but also who you really are. <clears throat> so we pray that by your spirit you'd strengthen us, that we might come to know you more, that we might come to know how you have loved us through your son Jesus, and how we can live in response to you and your grace. Amen. Well, we're all confronted by this. We're all confronted by this uh, every day, of every week, of every year, of our whole life. We're confronted by this so often that it just becomes so unwelcomed. But what is this? (laughs) What is this confronting thing Well, it's those moments when you are faced with, confronted with, uh, the real you. Those moments when who you really are, are on display for everybody to see. Those moments when your darkness, your brokenness, your humanness is revealed. And let's be honest, we've all had those moments where we have been confronted with just how harsh we can be. Those moments where we've been confronted with how hateful we can be, how lustful we can be, how unwilling we can be, how untruthful we can be. And we could go on, couldn't we? I bet even this morning, if you're anything like me, you've even been confronted with who you really are today. The sad reality is that we've all felt this. We've all had moments like this where we have been confronted with our humanness, faced with who we really are. But I wonder, how do you respond when confronted with the real you? What's your default reaction? Maybe your first heart reaction is to bring out your inner lawyer and defend yourself. Maybe your first heart reaction is to bring out the inner judge And excuse yourself. Maybe your first heart reaction is to bring out that inner cheerleader and to celebrate your uniqueness. But the thing is, if we respond like this, God says that we are deceiving ourselves. In 1 John uh, chapter 1, uh, this is what he says. If we claim to be without sin, it's our darkness, our brokenness, our messiness, We deceive ourselves. So the question is, and how can we face who we really are? The good news is, though, that we're not alone in this. In fact, we have good royal company. Psalm 51 is King David's psalm as he really works through this question. As he himself goes through this process of facing who he really is. Facing his humanness. And the title uh, suggests this. Psalm 51 follows one of the stories of King David's life out of the book of 2 Samuel. 
in chapters 11 and 12, where uh, King David, instead of going out to battle with the army, defending God's people like a good king should, he actually stays at home in his palace and he notices a woman having a shower. Her name's Bathsheba. He calls for her. He sleeps and conceives with her and then conspires and plans to have her husband murdered on the battlefield. Horrible stuff. And God uh, thinks so too. So God, through his messenger Nathan, the prophet, he confronts David and calls him out on it. And so the question too is, uh, for David, uh, how is he going to respond when faced with who he really is? And David begins to face who he really is by remembering and appealing to who God really is. You can see that there in verses 1 and 2. Pick it up with me. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgression. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. David faces who he really is by facing who God really is. God who is merciful, unfailing in love and great in compassion. God who doesn't give people what they deserve, but withholds what people rightly deserve for their actions. David is so aware of his sin, transgression, iniquity, and we'll get to those words in a moment and unpack them, but just notice how David focuses on who God really is, a God who doesn't give him what he really deserves, but instead blots out, washes away, and cleanses sin. Now, there's been a recent study Uh, done by Google, and they wanted to figure out how people could relate and work better at the office. Um, And this is what they found. No one wants to put on a work face when they get to the office. No one wants to leave part of their personality and inner life at home, but to be fully present at work. We must know that we can be free enough to share the things that scare us without the fear of copping flack. We must be able to talk about what is messy and sad. And and isn't this just true for general life? We need to be able to share, uh, to face the messiness and sadness of life, but particularly the messy and the sadness of ourselves. But the thing is, we want to know that we're going to be faced with Mercy and compassion. But the hard thing is, we can't actually uh, guarantee that we're going to get that from one another. But here's the thing, because of who God really is, he is the one safe relationship where we can be sure to find mercy and compassion. And David knows. And because David knows who God really is, a God of mercy and love, he can face who he really is. So David responds and he copes uh, by being confronted with his mess, by facing who God really is. So the question again, what's your default way of coping when faced with the real you, when faced with your humanness, faced with your mess, or in other words, when you are faced with your sin? Or in other words, what's your signature move? Now, what I mean by a signature move is it's those moments or those things that you do 
uh, that just screams classic you. It's those moments when you see someone do something and you're like, oh, you know what, that is just so, so and so. Oh, of course they would do that, that's just so them. You know, take uh, the pastoring team here at Southside, uh, Ben's signature move, you know, his fashion sense, top button done up, classic Ben. You know, Ross's uh, classic saying, 100%. Classic Ross. It's so them, signature moves. They're those moments, those behaviours, just those things that we do that just cry, oh, that's just classic you. But when it comes to facing who you really are, what is your signature move? Because the thing is, we have so many unhealthy ways of coping. And we get angry and we fight and we say, are you serious? You are just as bad as me. You know, we get scared and we flee, you know, saying, look, I just don't want to talk about it. I just don't want to deal with it. Leave me alone. You know, we can catastrophize and freak out, you know, saying that's just too big, just can't deal with it. We get overwhelmed and we freeze, kind of paralysed, and we just kind of say, I just don't know, I don't know what to do. You know, we pretend and we fake it and we say, no, you're not seeing things right, let me tell you. How many of us, though, would cope or face ourselves in a healthy way by actually facing who we really are. You know, take me, for example, with um, you know, my signature move in general. You know, take my coffee, small, double-shot, flat white. But when it comes to me and facing the real me, sadly, I am small on facing but extra strong on escaping. Why? <laughs> Why do we freak out, flee, fake it, fight, when we can come and face a God who is mercy, merciful and compassionate? Why? Well, we need to see that who God really is is good news for us. It's good news because we no longer have to cope and Uh, react and respond in these unhealthy ways. They no longer have to be our signature moves because we can face who we really are because of who God really is. So what does it look like to face who we really are? Well, that's exactly what David goes on to say next in verses uh, 3 to 5. David uh, now faces who he really is. He faces those three words, his sin, his transgression and iniquity. Pick up Psalm 51 with me in verses 3 to 5. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. It's clear David knows, he's aware, he's facing who he really is. And like an artist painting a portrait... Uh, he uses uh, three different colours, three different ideas uh, to paint his self-portrait, and they are transgression, iniquity from verse 2, and sin. <clears throat> but how do each add to this different... Well, how, how do they each add something different to this self-portrait of David? 
or starting with transgression, it's the idea that David has this human tendency and bent to rebel against God. He's a criminal. He's got a record. Now, iniquity or guilt makes things personal because it focuses on the guilt of the individual person. So it isn't... So sin is not impersonal. It is a deeply personal thing in breaking relationship with God. And for this... David is held personally responsible. And finally, sin, sin means that we have fallen short. We've actually fallen short of relationship with God. And so each idea adds to the self-portrait of David. And the picture that he is painting is the picture of what the Bible calls a sinner. David faces who he really is as a sinner, and it's serious. He says it's evil. You can see that there in verse 4. As he's confronted with who he really is, his conclusion is, I've done what is evil in your eyes. Now, if you're familiar with uh, the David and Bathsheba story, remember how he calls for her, conceives, or sleeps and conceives with her, then plans her husband's murder? Those words might be, in verse 4, a little troubling because David's actions are against Bathsheba and her husband. So how can David say, only against you, God, have I sinned? Well, there's a helpful way, or one way, of making sense of this. When we hurt one another, we hurt each other, when our relationships break down horizontally with one another, it stems from and flows out of our broken relationship with God vertically. And so sadly, the broken relationship that we have with God, our sin is reflected horizontally in how we treat and sin against and hurt one another. And so as David comes to confess his sin to God, to face who he really is, he gets this. He gets how big it is. He gets how big a deal it is because he's actually sinned against God in what he's done. But David he has still one more colour, one more idea to add to this self-portrait. The fourth idea he adds here is in verse 5. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. David sees that sin is something that is deeply rooted in his heart, which means that sin isn't just something that David does. It is something that David is. There's a Nobel Prize uh, winner uh, by the name of Alexander Solzhenitsyn. You may have heard of him. He's a Russian philosopher, a writer, and he fought for the Soviet Union in World War II. And after that, he spent 18 years in a Russian labour camp, like the Gulags, uh, for actually coming out and speaking against the Soviet Union and what they did. So let's just say that this guy, Solzhenitsyn, he has witnessed and been a recipient of some of the most evil things possible that humans are capable of. And this is what he says. If only it was so simple. If only there were evil people somewhere committing evil deeds and all we had to do was separate them from the rest of us. So what he's saying is, if only it was so simple... All of you guys, you're evil. 
And all of you guys, you're good. And all we need to really do is just get rid of you guys on the left and everything would be fine. If only it was so simple, he says. But he goes on to say, but the dividing line, the line dividing good and evil, cuts through every human heart. The dividing line between good and evil cuts through all of our hearts. And so the point Sosnitsyn makes is that uh, sin, evil, is present in every one of us because it's rooted in the heart. And this is exactly what David is saying here, that sin runs deep. And for him, he's no exception. So David, he isn't just facing what he's done, his guilt. He's facing who he is, his shame. And so it sounds like this, uh, guilt talking, I've done something wrong. But David's also saying that I am wrong, that I am bad, I am a sinner, I am sinful, and that's shame talking. What guts, what courage, facing who God really is has given David to face who he really is. So because of who God really is, we too can face who we really are. So will you, like David, knowing who God really is, face and name your sin? Will you trust what God says to us in 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 9, that if we confess our sin, that he is faithful to forgive and he will purify us, he will wash us clean of our sin. So we need to know that we are deep down, by nature, sinners. We need to know that we are personally responsible for rejecting and resisting God. You need to know that we are personally incapable of restoring that relationship. We need to know that our sin makes us unfit for relationship with God. We have fallen short and there's no way of coming back from that. We need to know that sin is more than what we do, it's what we are. We need to know that when we read verses 4 and 6 where God reminds us that he is a just judge and right and that he looks to the heart, we fall short. What he sees is not good. What he sees, as David says, is evil. So, what does God do to show us his forgiveness and cleansing from sin? Well, that's exactly what David goes on to face next. David goes on to face only what God can do. So, in verses 7 to 12, David faces only what God can do. David realises that only God can deal with his sin, that only God can blot out, wash away and cleanse him from his sin. So check out verses 7 to 9 with me. Uh, Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let my bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. What David is saying I was talking about here is that he needs atonement. Now that's a word that we don't really use much anymore. 
But atonement kind of means two things. There's two parts to it. That David needs the penalty for his sin paid. God's justice needs to be satisfied. The other side of it is that he needs to be washed clean of his sin. It needs to be covered. And so God, because he's a God of love and mercy, has provided a way for people to make amends for their sin and restore relationship with God. So an animal sacrifice was, one, was the way of doing this. The sacrifice was meant to reflect a person's heartfelt awareness that the death experienced by the animal they deserved. And so although uh, this word atonement isn't in any of these verses, but be sure the idea certainly is. Because being cleansed with hyssop was related to making atonement for sin. Hyssop is a branch or a tree and they'd take a branch from the hyssop bush and they would dip it in the blood of the sacrifice and they would sprinkle it over the sinner. It's pretty full on, I know, but sin's full on too. And so atonement would be made and it would clean them. It would satisfy God's anger towards their sin. And David reflects this language in his prayer because when he's clean, when he has been atoned for, he will be whiter than snow. Now the idea is, is this when you've got a stain, dirty big stain on your shirt, and it needs to be soaked. That's what David has in mind. His heart needs to be soaked in God's forgiveness and washed clean. And David knows that this cleansing needs to go deep. It needs to restore, renew, and refresh his heart. You can see that there in verses 10 to 12. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Cast me not from your presence, take not your Holy Spirit from me, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a, a willing spirit to sustain me. And David knows that this is only something that God can do. Only God can deal with our sin. Only God can clean the heart. And this is exactly what God has said that he's done for us in 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 to 10. God says that he has provided ultimately this forgiveness and cleansing from sin through his son Jesus, through his sacrificial death on the cross for us. This is what John 1, uh, 1 John 1, sorry, verses 7 to 9 says, The blood of Jesus, God's son, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not within us. If we confess our sin... He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. What God is saying here is that the sacrificial death of Jesus, his blood poured out for us on the cross, makes atonement for us. That his death satisfies God's anger and wrath towards our sin. That his blood washes us clean of our sin. That Jesus' death makes amends. For our sin. And so we can face who we really are because of who Jesus really is. Because he has forgiven us of our sin and cleaned us. In Jesus, we are white as snow. And so part of facing who we really are is facing who we really are now because of what Jesus has done. You need to know, we need to know 
that yes, our sin is personal, and we're held, um, it is personal, and it's a resistance and a rejection of God, but now Jesus takes responsibility for us. We need to know that with Jesus, we are brought back into relationship with God. We need to know that with Jesus, we are no longer guilty and shameful. That we need to know that with Jesus, we are rescued from ourselves. That with Jesus, who we are has changed. Our identity has changed. We are no longer enemies and rebels. But like Jesus... We are God's adopted children where he has chosen you, set his love on you, his mercy on you through Jesus. And he treasures you and you are good and you are honourable because of what Jesus has done for you. Because of Jesus, who you really are has changed forever. And this changes things. And it's changed things for David And he reflects on that in verses 13 to 19 as he now sets his eyes past God's forgiveness and life being clean and washed and forgiven. Pick it up with me in verses 13 to 15. David faces who he really is now or can really be because of who God really is. David says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who... Are God my saviour, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praises. He's facing life on the other side of forgiveness. And isn't it different? He's the one sharing about God's mercy and grace to those who haven't met it yet. David wants others to be able to sing of God as their God, their Saviour. But when it comes to us, and we think about this, if we are unwilling to face who God really is, who we really are, and how in Jesus he deals with our sin, if we're not willing to go through that process, how can we sing those words and pray those words of being able to share that good news with others. Here's the thing. If we are unclear on our sin, we cannot be clear on how God deals with us and how Jesus, and how through Jesus, God forgives us and cleans us and washes away our sin. The more clear we are, the more that we are able to face who we really are, and how God in Jesus deals with our sin and seeing that as good news for us, we will then be able to share that good news with others. And I wish I could stand here and tell you, you know, that I uh, have nailed this, that I see myself so clearly. The thing is, uh, I am still very much a work in progress when it comes to this. You can just ask my wife. Um, but those moments... Those rare moments where by God's grace I get clarity on how broken I am and I get clarity on who Jesus is and what he has done for me to deal with that. Man, those moments are powerful. Those moments are refreshing. Those moments are life-giving. And so David ends Psalm 51 
facing or having faced who God really is, having faced who he really is, having faced then what God would do to deal with who he really is, he now uh, turns to face life with God going forward. In verses 16 to 7, David sees that life with God is about living with this heartfelt awareness of all of those things. Verses 16 and 17. He says, You don't delight in sacrifices, or I'd bring it. Uh, you don't uh, take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Uh, you, God, will not despise. For David, life with God is about holding this healthy balance of facing who he really is, his brokenness, and being genuinely heartfelt devastated about that. But also, on the other hand, facing who God really is. Having a contrite heart, a heart that turns and faces who God really is and what he has done for him. So as we reflect on who God really is, as we reflect on who we really are and what he has done for us and Jesus to deal with our sin, going forward from here, we need to live life with that heartfelt tension, that heartfelt balance of these things. Or in other words, let's make that our signature move. Let's have a signature move that holds us as a sinner but saved. Or as Martin Luther once put it, that a Christian at the same time is a sinner but saved, that by God's grace to us in Jesus, we are saved, we are washed, cleaned and forgiven. Or as John Newton uh, put it, the guy who wrote that amazing hymn, Amazing Grace, once said, I am a great sinner, but I have a great saviour. We can face who we really are because of who Jesus really is. That because of Jesus we're forgiven, washed and cleansed of sin. We can be refreshed by facing who God really is, by facing who we really are and facing what he has done for us in Jesus. Let's pray together. Have mercy on us, Lord, according to the steadfast love, to your abundant mercy that you have shown to us in Jesus. Blot out our transgressions, cleanse us and wash us of our sin through the blood of Jesus. Father, we know that we have rejected and resisted you. Father, we know that we fall short of relationship with you, that our sin, Father, in your eyes is evil and that you are right to judge. But we thank you that in Jesus you have judged us, that in him taking our place and penalty for us, that you have judged him personally responsible for our sin and given us his perfect standing with you. We pray, Father, that this would cause our hearts to be refreshed. That you, through Jesus, have satisfied your anger towards our sin. That in Jesus, you have washed us clean of the stain of sin. 
And so, Father, create in us hearts that are freshly aware, hearts that feel deeply, Father, the devastating brokenness we are because of sin, but, Father, also the great grace that we have because of you, our Saviour. And we pray, Father, that you give us your grace to face this, that we might see others that you have placed in our lives find this good news of great joy for them as they come face to face with who Jesus really is and who they really are. Father, we pray that, Lord, this would be our signature move as individuals, but, Father, also as a church, that we would be known as those who face who we really are but face who Jesus really is. Amen.